Our second reading this morning is immediately after the passage that Kristen just read. It's from Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. Listen for the word of God as we continue. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were immediately overcome with awe and they ran forward to greet him. He asked them, what were you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do so. He answered them, you faithless generation, how much longer must I be among you? How much longer do I have to put up with you? (sighs) Bring him to me. (laughs) And they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed, convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you're able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you're able, all things can be done for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You spirit that keeps this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you, come out from him and never enter him again. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he was able to stand. When he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, this kind can only come out through prayer. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Let's pray. Gracious God, help us to hear your word for us this morning and to grow and to see you better. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever been with someone who had this magnificent revelation of the love and majesty of God who was just exuberant with joy and they could not stop talking about how they never realized before how amazing God is and how their life was transformed and they'd never be the same and you were, they were just rendered speechless by what they experienced and all you could think was, that sounds awesome and I wish that had happened to me. Because for the moment, their doubts and fears have been pushed aside by this powerful experience of of what they've experienced. And, And you're left wondering, well, why did the prophets have all those wonderful words for other people, but not for you? Why did these experiences happen to other people? Sometimes it seems like all the time, but never to you. And I've had my share of, oh, wow, this is amazing moments, but I've also had at least my share of, Does God actually care about me at all? And if so, why are all of these other people having these experiences and not me? I used to go to a sort of Pentecostal charismatic church when I was growing up. I've seen people fall down apparently from the Holy Spirit while I've just been standing there waiting for something to happen. And, you know, 
And I've seen people say they've been healed. I've, I've been on the outside so many times when people around me had these amazing spiritual moments. And I kind of wonder if that's how the other disciples felt. Peter, James, and John are up on a mountain having this amazing mountaintop experience, seeing Jesus in all of his glory and the other nine male disciples, plus the women who followed Jesus around everywhere. They missed it. And not only did they miss it, they spent the entire time fighting a demon. That part of the story is not in the lectionary. The lectionary being the three-year list of Bible verses that are used in a lot of churches. That part gets left out. It never shows up. It's less exciting than climbing up a mountain and having this huge revelation of Jesus. Less exciting than seeing Moses and Elijah. It's just... The work. I mean, it's kind of exciting. You know, the Pentecostal charismatic churches I spent time in talked about this passage because they were, they were casting out demons, but I don't think I've ever seen this story connected to the transfiguration, even though it's literally the next thing that happens. Can you imagine how the other disciples felt? Jesus says not to tell anybody, but in our Tuesday Bible study, some of us thought that that wasn't particularly likely, that they would see this amazing thing happen and keep it to themselves. Not only do the other nine disciples miss that, yeah, I said that. They spend the entire time fighting a demon. Peter, James, and John are struck by the beauty of Jesus, except for Peter, whose brain stops working, but his mouth doesn't. Can you imagine them walking down the mountain? They're all serene and maybe glowing a little bit and just whew, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time. And imagine that Peter goes up to Andrew and says, hey, brother, because they were brothers, we just saw the most amazing thing on the mountain. Jesus looked so totally different. White clothes, whitest I've ever seen. And I don't mean khakis and a tie and New Balance sneakers. Uh, he was talking to Moses and Elijah, and there was this cloud and, and a voice that said, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. It was amazing. And Andrew says, earlier today, huh? You know what we were doing earlier today? We were fighting a literal demon. We couldn't even cast it out, and we had to wait till Jesus came off the mountain to watch him do it and say, yeah, I get why you couldn't do that. You haven't prayed enough. That, that, that this morning, Peter? And you can see why Andrew might have been upset by that. <laughs> you ever heard uh, that, that Peter, James, and John were Jesus' inner circle? Does that, does that sound familiar? Because I've heard that a few times. If you look up Jesus' inner circle on the internet, you know what you find? Peter, James, and John. Uh, I have another idea, and I tested it out with some teachers at Soup Kitchen. Um, if you've ever made a student, I'm asking the teachers, if you've ever made a student move closer to sit closer to you, if you've ever left the room and felt like you couldn't safely leave certain of your students there, who were they? Were they the kids who were at the top of the class, the self-starters who would read the book even if they stayed home? Or were they the ones who didn't know they were doing remedial work? Yeah, that's what I thought. Maybe the other disciples don't get this experience because they already have enough faith that they don't need it. They're already taking Jesus seriously. 
I mean, think about it. Peter is a guy who always says exactly what's on his mind. At one point, literally tells Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. James and John go back and forth between trying to get the best seats in heaven and offering to call down fire on a Samaritan city that doesn't accept Jesus. They get the nickname Sons of Thunder. Are these the people that you're going to leave behind? Would you leave them with the other disciples? The transfiguration was this powerful, moving event for Peter, James, and John, but nobody else saw it. So, if you've ever felt that way, if you've ever been in the radius of someone having a powerful spiritual experience that you didn't get to share, I just want to emphasize, you know, spiritual experiences are great. But look at 1 Corinthians 13. Paul says, what if I had this amazing supernatural power and I could move mountains, speak in the tongues of human beings and angels, and I didn't have love, it wouldn't be worth anything. It's useless. You ever wonder if James did that? Uh, if James held it, sorry, skipped a paragraph. If James ever held over, his other, over the other disciples' head, well, you know, you don't understand because you weren't up on the mountain with Jesus. I hope not. But I just kind of wonder if maybe what they experienced, they, had, they experienced because they needed it in a way that the other nine didn't because the other nine were best suited to keep the situation at the bottom of the mountain under control. Can you imagine Peter without Jesus before Pentecost trying to deal with that situation? <laughs> I mean, maybe it was random. There's all kinds of possibilities, but, but ultimately, um, it's like they were singing about, I am your beloved. We are the beloved of Jesus. And whatever the reason that it seems like spiritual experiences are happening all around us to other people, I don't think it's because uh, you're a lesser person, less beloved, a, le a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God. I don't think that's the reason. If it comes down to it, I don't really know the answer to this. Um, but, but it's definitely not that because... We're all first-class citizens in the kingdom of God. God loves us all the same, even if it seems like the spiritual experiences are happening to other people while we're down fighting our demons at the bottom of the mountain. Let's pray. Gracious God, we want to have experiences of your presence that help us to know and trust in your love and grace even when they feel few and far between. Help us to know and trust in your love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.